Hey guys, weekly message, member message number six. Most of you know that I personally hold to the view that everything the Bible describes physically, materially is over and fulfilled. The bride has been gathered out of the nation of Israel and some Gentiles. Satan and hell have had victory over, overcome. Second coming has happened. We live in an age of the spirit, right? And I base this on a contextual view of everything that the Bible says. And I stand by the view without much hesitation. But I have to admit that there are some things that the Bible talks about that are not over. And things like John's description of the continuing kingdom, the new Jerusalem above, and uh, after the great tribulation had occurred. And, and I believe that, that some of those things continue on today, right? And I also believe that biblical principles continue on today. That what the Bible teaches about faith in Jesus and, and access to God because of that and love, and hope, and patience, and kindness, and everything related to Jesus, even though he has finished the work over material, the material world, that all the principles that the Bible teach spiritually are there for every individual to uh, consider. But I have a confession to make, and I want to really be clear about this. I don't have a ton of evidence um, to say that my interpretation of these things holds water. And because of this, there are some people who have gone down the same road that I have gone, and they say, yes, it's all fulfilled. Yes, Jesus returned. Yes, he took his bride. Yes, everything's over. In fact, they get to the point where they say, Man, the Bible is really only applicable to Israel. It's really only applicable to those people then. And anything that it says has absolutely no relationship to the rest of the world. They say it's Israel only. That's the banner under which they fly. Israel only. And it says that nothing in the Bible is to people today. That it was all to them, Israel only, which was destroyed and obliterated and spread out over the world back in 70 AD. Let me bring this even closer to home. We have some dear friends who used to come to the things that we do, the teachings and stuff, and, and they were just Christians that went to another church as well, and, then, and they considered the things I taught, and they didn't have any idea about eschatology. And one day I, I broached the subject, and they came up and said, well, what's this? And I said, well, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that everything has been fulfilled in Scripture physically, and uh, the woman of the couple said, well, you know, if that's true and Jesus has come back, I'll never step foot in another church again. And so they hung with me for about a year and heard all the arguments for a fulfilled uh, eschatology and a fulfilled material Bible. And she has held true to her word. She stepped away from going to material church 
and has never returned to one again. Now, that's okay because material church is over. It's done. Uh, and they don't have to go to a church. And they were smart enough to realize that. Once they saw that Jesus did in fact return in 70 AD, they held true to this view, but they took it that next step. And they became pretty much Israel only. They really don't say when you read the Bible, you can justify any of it applying to people today. And they make a pretty good argument in that sense because you have to interpret what you're reading as being applicable to us today in order to escape from the Israel-only stance. So I have clung to the notion that I believe, my personal opinion, that learning the Bible and hearing the word and clinging to the vine and being seeds that germinate and produce fruit are all vital and important to people today who are, can be considered the children of God. And in some really sound ways, I don't have much of a footing to support that. Anytime I say, well, look, this is what the Bible says, Israel only people will say, well, that wasn't written to you. That's written to them. That has no basis coming to you. And so I have to look and I have to justify my view that the Bible is still applicable today, but in ways that are non-material, in ways that are spiritually defined. And that takes some interpretation on my part, which may or may not be right or true. In fact, I could be completely wrong. And, and so for a few years, I have tried to find ways where the Bible does support the fact that believers need to read it. Should, if they can, if they have one. Yes, it's all the Spirit, but the Bible helps us know who God is and who His Son is. It is what helps our faith. It is so valuable in reading it, but is there anything within its covers that I can reasonably use to justify that we should be still in it today, seeking principles that are spiritually driven that don't have any basis in material religion. And I have to openly admit that my personal view of scripture in our lives today is really subjective. And it's just what I think. And I don't have much to stand on in terms of a literal application to this stance. And so how do I? justify still reading an ancient text that wasn't written to us, really, and saying that we should apply the principles of it, faith, love, hope, and all those things, and 
that I'm not just creating more continued religion if everything has been wrapped up and done as Israel only says. So I want to go through quickly, there's not much, and just tell you why I believe that even though everything was fulfilled materially and ended 70 AD and that the kingdom of God is now spiritual and abides within us and God writes his laws on individuals, why I believe it's important for believers to continue to seek him through a study of the word and to apply principles of the faith that are shared in scripture to themselves. And I start with Paul in Romans 2, 28, 29, where he says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he or she is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. This was written by Paul to a church in Rome that, con- that included Jews and Gentiles. And it was a means for him to teach there then to them, not to us, but to them. Hey, listen, you're a Jew, not by your circumcision. Not because you wear a yarmulke, not because you obey the different days and the diets and everything. You are really a Jew inwardly. You are really Israel from the heart. You can be circumcised a thousand times. It doesn't mean anything to God. A real Jew, a real child of Abraham, son and daughter of Abraham, a child or son or daughter of faith is one from the heart. So when people talk about Israel only, we find right here that Israel is not physical Israel. Paul teaches that true Judaism, true Israel, true sons and daughters of Abraham are that of the heart. Okay? That's the first thing I want to start with in my stance against Israel only. In other words, we can see that in the apostolic age, non-physical Jews were being adopted into the kingdom of God as children of God by the Spirit through faith. And that got the ball rolling to differentiate the whole world and all the Gentiles and non-Jews in it from that little nation of Israel and how they outwardly were gods for a time. From there... I look at all the passages that describe what is needed to have relationship with the eternal uh, God, to be a child of God, a son or daughter. And I look at all the teachings that talk about abiding in the vine. And we do that by faith. And allowing God to produce fruit through those who by faith are abiding in his son. And being seeds that bear roots downward and fruit upward. And aren't tossed away and choked by the cares and riches of the world and all the other stuff. And the principle established there is throughout scripture, the reality is... People 
who are sons and daughters of God, are sons and daughters by faith. They abide in him spiritually now, and they produce fruit. Now, I make the leap and say, I believe that is an eternal principle. I believe if it was true for them then, it's true for us now. And I believe that that means that people need to choose faith and then to choose to love in response to that faith. All right? Now, I can't prove that the ancient text is speaking to me in principles of spirituality that are eternal. I make that assessment. I believe that by the Spirit, when I read those things, that the principles taught to them on how to have a relationship with God was through faith in Christ, that it remains the same today. Can I prove that? I cannot. To I.O., I cannot prove it, but I believe it because I don't think God changes. And I think if the way to him was his son then, to Gentiles too, not just Jews, and that Gentiles become Jews by faith, then I think the principle continues. Then I go to Isaiah chapter 9, where Isaiah, writing to Jews, says, again, it's to them, for unto us a child is born, unto us, the Jews, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase, increase of his government, that means his kingdom, and peace, there shall be no end. Now, if that's true, if it was true to Israel only, and it was written to them, that's fine. But it does give us an indication that the kingdom of God, there is no end of the increase of it, of its governance and peace over the lives of people. If that's the case, we have to admit that people are continually coming to it. Jew, non-Jew, Gentile, whomever, by faith. And so we see that this, this is what it says, that the, the increase will never end. So therefore, people must be coming into that kingdom endlessly. How? By faith. Described in principle through the scripture. For those who are gods. Finally, I get to the place where John describes in Revelation what everything looks like that has been materially done away with. And he does this at the end of Revelation. And in those chapters, he describes a new Jerusalem that is above. This is that kingdom that Isaiah said there would never be an end to its increase. And John describes it, and it has, it has open doors that are open day and night, gates to the city, and those who are worthy to eat of the tree of life are able to enter therein. And John describes this, after all the material stuff has been done, as existing with people inside of it, 
and with people outside of it. If that is a description of what happened once Jesus came back and reordered everything, then we know that there is a destination after this life for those who are gods, who are sons and daughters of God, that is inside that kingdom, and there is a place that John describes for those who are not. It's outside that kingdom. And then working backward, we know that from Isaiah, that kingdom will increase eternally. And we know, therefore, that people to get to that kingdom, if the principle remains true, are getting there by faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing the word. And we know that that is what equips us to maintain the faith and be in the faith and abide in the vine and produce fruits of love. Then working all that together, I see those things as the main justification within Scripture to say, yes, it was Israel only, but there are indications there that now that that has been done, the kingdom continues. And those who are a part of it will abide by the same principles that were in place during Jesus' day. And in the apostolic church, that you come to him humbly, you, you cast your cares upon him, you walk with him, you feed your faith, you avoid the, the sin of disunbelief, and you grow to a point where you can produce fruit where God will cut you back in order for you to produce more. And then after this life, when you enter that kingdom as a believer of faith, you will be rewarded according to the fruit that you allowed God to produce through you. I stand on this without complete biblical justification. Only these scraps that I could put together that make sense on what the Bible says for us now. Literally, actually describing what continues on. Now, because of this, and because the kingdom continues to increase, I see the need for believers, when led by the Spirit, to share Jesus with others. And again, when led by the Spirit. And I see the need that once people come to faith, they grow. And how do you grow? You grow by the reading of the Word. What does that do? It washes clean all the former ideas that we have that are of the flesh. And it brings us into closer, closer proximity to God so that he can therefore produce fruit through us. I wanted to address Israel only in this welcome message today because it's out there. But I want you to see how I differ with that. And the differences I have with full preterism are there too. I just want you to know that I, I, I do see a valid reason for reaching out still and sharing Jesus when led by the Spirit and growing once you have come to know who He is. And that does come by learning in light to love and then have liberty. You guys have a great week. I love you.